I'm well, so thankful for the Lord's uh, work this week. Man, the songs were very uh, personal to me. Everything that we sang about, I found connection with today. Um, with the Lord's help, I was able to stay focused during worship and, and really be able to see the hand of God and how he's been moving and working in my life personally and in the life of our body and in the multiplication of this body to other places. Um, man, just uh, such an incredible week of of God moving and working and, and being so personal to me. And I'm, I'm anxious to share some of this with you in the context of today's sermon. And then also some of it uh, we'll share after the sermon. So just have a lot of, a lot of things to do today that the Lord has for us in celebration of, of how he's working and moving in the body. So uh, just, just uh, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for, for committing to community. And uh, my prayers that, that you will right now get your mind uh, focused, get your mind's attention, ask the Holy Spirit to help you, focus your mind's attention and your heart's affection on the Word and what God has for us today, because it's a, it's a timely Word. We are in a, in a series of messages out of the book of Acts that the Lord has, has uh, revealed early on, in the, well, right at the beginning, that this, this has a timely and, a timely and uh, uh, purposeful this is a timely and purposeful study for us. All right, I'm trying to remember what he said, how he said it. He doesn't stutter like that. I just, that's me. But that this, is, this study is for now, and it's, and it's for us. It's for us, for this body. Uh, I'm convinced more and more that every time, every sermon, every uh, week that, we, that passes, uh, every response that I hear from you, um, just, just what God is doing in the body right now is just reflective of that, of that promise from God, that word from God, that this is for us and it's for now. So I hope you can hear today's message with that in mind uh, and, and have the kind of uh, desire and commitment to the message that reflects that you agree with God that this is for us and for now and be ready to uh, adjust our lives to it. So we've been talking about community multiplied. And uh, a number of different topics have come out of our study, as we see in the book of Acts, the, the, the first church, uh, in the church in its infancy, having received the Holy Spirit, now moving, uh, you know, ha- has received all of these different uh, uh, distinctives that have just come because of one reason, they have been surrendered to the Holy Spirit. It's not something that someone preached into existence, they didn't have to have sermons on all these topics of giving and loving and caring and preaching and they didn't have to have sermons and all of that they didn't have to have seminary and have someone teach them how to be the church they just surrendered their lives to the holy spirit and this these new believers were more in tune with what god intended the church to be than we are after terminal degrees from the seminary marrying a wife who's smarter than me leading a congregation that's studied the Word of God, most of us, all of our lives in some form or another. Uh, man, we, are, we, are, we think we're prepared when the fact is we need to return to infancy. And the Gavin Place has done that. You know, we, when the Gavin Place started 11 years ago-ish, we, um, we made a commitment to empty the pages and just say, God, okay, we want to be that church in infancy. Believers, yes, but... Believers that don't know how to do biblical community, so show us. And, and God's been so encouraging in, in, in this time for us of, of moving forward, moving the church forward 
uh, as he did in the book of Acts. We, we no longer, uh, no quicker did we come to the, to the passages where in the book of Acts, they're beginning to expand this community into other areas. I mean, the gospel had already been spread because believers took off and uh, it, running from the persecution that they were experiencing after Stephen's stoning. Everybody with me? Say, oh, yeah. Okay. So Stephen's stoning happened, and the church spreads. These new believers take off, and they go to all these different places. But it, they are believers in their infancy, trying, to, again, to seek the Lord and, and, and find out what does it mean to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And so now Paul and Barnabas, uh, well, Philip goes out, and then uh, Peter goes out, and now we see Paul, um, Paul or Saul and Barnabas being sent out by the church, and now the church is beginning to be multiplied. What are they doing? Let me give you just a synopsis of what's going on, okay? Everybody with me? Here, here's a, just kind of a general, and this is good because it's going to help you understand what the, what the letters that Paul writes, who, more, more than half of the New Testament are letters to churches. Why does Paul write these letters to churches? The purpose of, of God has not changed. What happened in Jerusalem is God's intent for the church as it spreads out to all the different regions and areas, the different cities and towns and as God's purpose is the same, is that the Holy Spirit would have absolute authority and control of the lives of believers who don't know how to do anything but are surrendered to Him. That's what God is spreading. And so He has these servants who are going to help churches to understand what that looks like. So what does Paul spend most of his time doing? You guys have gotten focused on the wrong things, okay? So he'll tell the church at Corinth, you've been focusing on the elements and on religious things. And so you need to get out of that and come back to where you were when you left Jerusalem. Just be focused on the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit have his rule in your life. So put away those things. And, and in every church, it's a little different something that they're trying to put away. Uh, you know, the, church, the Galatian church, they're trying to add to their, to their salvation by grace works of the, of the law circumcision and keeping feasts and festivals. So Paul says, okay, you're messing it up again. Let's go back to where you were when you left Jerusalem. Pure, unadulterated commitment to and surrender to the Holy Spirit. Let's be that church. So put away these things. Put on these things, right? So he's, he, it's, a, it's a matter of taking away those things that are hindering the Holy Spirit's uh, work and movement in the church and putting on those things that they had in the beginning are those things that they maybe have been talked out of putting on because they quit listening to the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's not a, it's not a new message that Paul is spreading and Barnabas is spreading. They're going out and spreading the same message. So when you think of the Bible and the New Testament particularly, just know that that's what it's about. Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. The church comes alive. Everything that God said would happen, uh, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us so we could abide in Him, and it would be the easiest that, that it ever was because the Holy Spirit lives in us not just with us, he's in us, giving us direction on what to do. And if we will follow what the Holy Spirit says, then God-exclusive activity is going to be happening in our lives. The Holy Spirit has freedom to move and work like he did at Pentecost and like he did in the days following Pentecost in Jerusalem and, and like he wants to do and will do and has done at the gathering place as we have submitted ourselves to his will, like he has done and will do. Uh, we, we can look back and see that he's faithful, Right? Uh, that he's done that in your life. When you've obeyed what he said, you, came, you discovered the reality of who God was in your experience. And, and you can look ahead and know that he is able, right? 
He is going to, in the future, do the same thing. I had an incredible experience this past week in Honduras, or wherever, whenever it was. I got back a week ago tomorrow. Uh, man, it was just incredible. It was so sweet to see that the Lord, the Holy Spirit has been working in Honduras and Pastor Dario in the same way that he's been working in me. And that Pastor Dario just needed somebody to say, it's okay to do what we do at the gathering place. We are so connected right now with him. He wants our name. He wants to put it on everything. He can't wait. Uh, I had to call Alex this week because he keeps calling me, or sending me text. I want the name. I want the gathering place name on everything we do. He said, it was just every time I would go over a distinctive with him face to face and would talk about what God told us to be as a church, then he would just smile. And he'd say, well, God told me that too, and this is what, and I've been waiting for this, and can I translate that in Spanish? Yes. Then we go to the next one. It was one after another after another. Guys, it was, it was phenomenal. The gathering place, Honduras, is going to be bigger than the gathering place, USA, in a very short time. There are 50 churches, 50 pastors that we have had some connection with, and he's fixing to go reinforce these truths and translate everything into Spanish and start. He is going to be me, only with no hindrances <laughs> at all. He's going to go and spread to all these pastors, has all these connections with these pastors up in mountain villages. There'll be small mountain villages. They'll be saying, abide in Christ. <laughs> well, they'll say it in Spanish. I can't remember what, how that is, but anyway, we've been working on that this week. I mean, there are, they, it's, uh, it's crazy that God, it's not, I mean, it's not unpredictable now because we know this about our Lord, that God is moving and working, and he, he's faithful, and he's, he's spreading this everywhere. We're just joining him in another country to help bring clarity to some of those things. I, I'm doing what Paul was doing. Paul wasn't going. Paul and Barnabas are not being sent out to start something new. They're being sent out to reinforce and, and, and make sure that what happened in Jerusalem these distinctives and characteristics are being carried into, the, into all the other villages. We know that God's working in other countries, but isn't it crazy that God would connect us with a pastor who believes the same way we do? By the way, in the context of your workplace or in your neighborhood where you live. And today, I think we're going to see that when we talk about multiplied community and first stops. The first stop of multiplied community is where you live. Before you start thinking about, am I going off somewhere, we're not trying to send missionaries to another land who, can't, who won't make the first stop the place where they live, right? We need, to, we need to make our first stop where the church makes its first stop in the book of Acts. So let's look at it in Acts chapter 13. So last week we saw Paul and Barnabas are sent out by the church. But let's read, picking up with verse 4 in chapter 13 of Acts. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and had John to assist them. Now, when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was, of the he was with the proconsul, our governor, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, so Bar-Jesus, Elymas, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, 
you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked straight the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. All right, let's pick it up, and we're going to move quickly. Ready? First of all, make no mistake, church. Make no mistake about who the leader is of this multiplication movement in the book of Acts. Make no mistake. I know last week you studied the church of, uh, that the church of Antioch sent out Barnabas and Saul, but the church is not the one who's leading the movement. Will said it clearly, but in verse 2 last week, you saw who the leader was in the decision to send out Paul and Barnabas. Look at it, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, fasting being a symbol, they were doing nothing. They had gotten to the end of themselves, right? It was symbolic of we have nothing to offer. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. All right? Will made it clear last week. The Holy Spirit is the one. Make no mistake about who the leader is. The Holy Spirit is the one leading this movement, and he is the one that's going to lead the multiplication of the church in the book of Acts, and he is the one who is also going to lead us. In today's passage, we see consistency with that in the text. The the text started by saying, so being sent by the Holy Spirit. Luke wants us to know very clearly that the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing the sending. The Holy Spirit is the one that's doing the guiding. Is Is this really significant? I hope you think it is. Listen, it's the whole story of the church in Acts. That's why the book is called the Acts. It's the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the Apostles. That's what's going on in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is the one from whom the Acts will come. He's the leader. He is the empowerer. He is the one that is guiding and multiplying, and he will lead our church in multiplication. All right, the stories I told you about Dario and Rust, I mean, Dario in Honduras. Is it not clear who the leader of this multiplication movement is? When we go over to another country across the sea and we sit down with a little old 71 year old man who's been giving his life there in service for years and, and he says the same things and has just been waiting for somebody to come and give him what he needed to be able to do this ministry? And God's gifted us and blessed us financially and also uh, with, the, with study to be able to put into words for him the things that he needs. That's the Holy Spirit is leading this multiplication movement. This is not us. Same thing in Ruston. And there's story after story after story of how that group came together. It started with the Bustamantes who were uh, the Upshaw's ch- children. And they, they felt right there the whole time, heads nodding, excited about seeing the movement of God. Yeah, yeah but they're going to meet some more. I mean, listen, the God of multiplication is the Holy Spirit. He's moving and working all around us. The problem is we all have had our own agendas, and we've not been willing to follow what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. Y'all with me? I'm telling you, guys, we have, all of us, including myself, for most of my ministry, have been on an agenda that's been given to us by a denomination, by, by successful leaders, churches who are making it happen, 
We've been leadership principles that have been handed down to us by people, and we've been following those things, and the Holy Spirit's been going a whole other direction, waiting for somebody, waiting for our little bitty church of nobodies, really, who finally admit to themselves we have nothing to offer and are, are fasting and praying, literally, not fasting maybe from food, but we're fasting from religion, and God comes in and says, okay, now, let me do some work here, and I'll, t- I'll take you some other nobodies in other places. And Dario's a nobody, a 71-year-old nobody that's been faithful to the Lord in mountain villages for now uh, 30-some-odd years, serving at no pay in churches and, and supporting pastors and developing that, bringing groups in from the United States to the movement. Everybody got that? Point one. Holy Spirit's leading the movement if you're taking notes. All right, point two. Acts chapter 13, verse 5. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. All right, let me just tell you this. First of all, the first place that the Holy Spirit sends them is Cyprus and Salamis. This is significant because it's the home of Barnabas. He went to his hometown first by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, not by his own idea. He didn't think, hey, it might be cool for me to go back to my hometown. Matter of fact, for most of you, when you became a believer or when you started understanding about walking with God in the way that you're walking with him now, the last place you want to go is back to your hometown. But the Holy Spirit leads him there first. And I think it's a good argument for us to think about, is the Holy Spirit also going to lead us, first of all, to go back to our home place? He went to his hometown to share the gospel and to set some things straight. Because people knew him as one person, and now he's a totally different person. Now he's a good man filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know what he was before. But now he's coming to his hometown, and he's setting some things straight. Listen, we can't avoid sharing the truth with our people from our hometown. We we can't avoid sharing the gospel and the the change that God has done in our lives with the people from our past. I believe it's something the Holy Spirit does by design. I think he leads us to the people who know us the best, who know our past, know us at our worst, and know us the best so that they can see the glory of God in our lives. Y'all with me? Man, they can see the best, better than anybody else, else, the change that the Holy Spirit has made in our lives, right? Who knows us better than our hometown people? And so I believe the Holy Spirit is doing that. Listen, I am confident of this. There are many of us who have made decisions for Christ, and we've not changed because the, the, kind of, the kind of religion that we've all bought into is not the kind of religion that requires a change. It doesn't, it doesn't require a heart. You don't have to have a heart to make a decision in most of our churches. You just have to have a mind that can be convinced to think a certain way, and then you make your decision, you're baptized, and you become part of the body, and there may or may not be any change in your life. But listen, authentic change is noticeable. It makes people different. It makes people, it makes friends also ask questions. It gives them, I believe, gives friends a great, or gives you the greatest opportunity uh, to, to preach truth. It gives your friends the best opportunity, your lost friends the best opportunity to, to understand the truth. It gives, listen, all those wanderers that, are, that you left at your church, and your churches, it gives them the best opportunity to see the glory of God is you going back to your hometown. 
it allows them, and I think gives them the best opportunity to, to respond to the truth of the gospel. Y'all getting me? Listen, I had a, well, I've been pulling my camper up to Ruston for, for church up there, and we spend the night up there, and so, and he's been bumping and making this, doing some weird stuff, and, and it, it was, I could put, take it off overdrive, and it would do okay for a little while, but then now it started bumping bad, so I told Ben about it. Ben, it's doing this, okay? Uh, when I was in Honduras the first time, I think, Ben took my truck, brought it to his dad's house. He has all the tools, the lift. He did. Anyway, long story short, I came back. My truck was running good, running smooth. Didn't have that little bumping thing. Now, it's the same truck, right? But it's, it's, a different, it's running differently. It's not acting the way it used to. Right? I don't know what he did. I, you know, I, I, so I, I asked Ben when I got back, I said, what did, you know, what did you do? And he said, well, I didn't do this, what you thought I was supposed to do. Instead, I did this. And it was a lot cheaper, and we got it done. And the truck was working. But it made me ask questions, because it's the same old truck, but it's not running the same, right? Listen, you, you guys need to recognize the significance of your life. Quit trying to save the world. Just realize that your life has been transformed and walk in that. And, and when we sang about it today, the beautiful, uh, one of the songs we were talking about, we talked about we've been changed in such a way that it, it, it causes us to be seen by the world as different. You know, I can't remember. Take your love to those around, around me. How, come on, give me the lyrics. I will be coming. Yeah, what was it? Yeah, what was the verse before that? Or the little phrase before? Show me who you are. Show me who you are. And lead me in your love to those around me. Look, the first thing we need to do is know who he is. Okay, I think we're starting to get that at the gathering place. Not who he is because we studied it in the Bible. Who he is because we've experienced him in our lives. Y'all on that page? We're abiding in Christ so we know him. First thing we need to do is know him. But once we know him and we show him, we go in his love to those around us. And so, so when that happens, man, that's a great opportunity for people to come to know the Lord. And, and we're the same truck, but we're running differently. And people are going to start asking questions, what did you do? And you can say with, with confidence, I got new spark plugs, right? I mean, I got the Holy Spirit, right? I'm walking in the Holy Spirit. I've come to know God by experience. Let me share with you what's, what's happening in my life. Yes, I'm different, all right? All right, now let's see the specific things that he does with that. All right, but we recognize, okay, it's the Holy Spirit doing this. He is the one guiding this multiplication movement, and he's guiding us as believers, first of all, to make our first stop in our hometown, all right? Because people that know us the best will see the change and ask the questions. It's the best opportunity for your lost friends to know Christ. And by the way, not just your hometowns, make it your workplace, some of you are not going back to your hometown. You haven't seen your hometown people in forever. Your workplace needs to know you're different. Maybe not because of your salvation, but maybe because you're starting to understand God. You're really starting to fall in love with God. Okay, let it show. Let it show. Let that come out. All right, then, number three. All right, what does he do when he gets to his hometown? The Holy Spirit sends him, first of all, to the church to share the truth of how he had been changed. Now, we don't have a record of what he said when he goes there. But he goes to the synagogue of the Jews first. 
He comes into the synagogue of the Jews. He goes to his home church, and he says, I'm a different person. I knew I grew up here, but you guys need to know there's something that's changed in me. Now, we don't have the, the sermon he preached, but I got to believe that it's the same sermon that God's been giving people, that the Holy Spirit's been giving people to preach since he came. Because it's the same Holy Spirit. It's his movement. So it's going to sound something like, I used to walk like this. I used to be in religion. And let me just tell you now, all that stuff that we believe, this is what it really means. And he probably drew from the Old Testament, like Peter did in his sermon. He said, this is what God meant when he taught those things. And the one that he was talking about has come, and I've experienced him, and he's changed my life. And that's what's going on with me. This is the result of the person of God living inside of me. The Holy Spirit has come into me, and now what you see is him and not me. And so something like, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. What you, live, what you see now is not me, it's Christ. I've been totally transformed. We, were, we had the right book, but we were believing the wrong stuff. Right? I mean, I can just hear a sermon. It had to be something like that because that's all they're preaching so far. And if the Holy Spirit's preaching through Barnabas in his hometown and Paul, well, Paul's the one doing the preaching, actually. So Paul is preaching in the synagogues with Barnabas. He's telling those people about Barnabas and how they've been changed. And so we need to tell people in our hometown. We need to tell them. We need to start at our church. We cannot follow the Holy Spirit, I believe, and leave our religious heritage behind. We can't just act like we didn't have some teaching about the Bible and that there's a whole pool of people that matter in our hometown churches, that there's a whole pool of believers in this town that don't understand how to walk with God, that maybe are not even believers that need to hear what it means to be a believer. We can't act like that's not true. There are people that are bound like we were by dead religion. They followed all the rules, and there's no life in it. And I believe when they see how different you are, if you're walking with God and he's filling your life, when they get a chance to see that, then they're going to be drawn to the work of Jesus in you, not to you. They'll be drawn to ask questions, what happened to you? And you'll be able to share what happened to you. Share about the change. The people who've been affected by our life of sin need to hear sin, religious sin, righteous sin. Our efforts to be good need to hear that we were wrong. First thing, when I come, came to understand the imputed righteousness of God, the grace of God in its entirety, first thing I felt like I needed to do was apologize to everyone I'd ever preached to before. Bill had the same response. We need to let our people know in our hometown. You know, let people in your religious past know what you believe. At the gathering place, when we started, God began to move this way and put these distinctives in place. We asked the question of whether we should be Baptists or not. Do y'all know this story? You need to know why we're Baptists. We asked the question because there wasn't a lot of good stuff going on in Baptist life, and there wasn't a lot of good press going on about Baptists. And now all our friends in town that were lost, my, the friends we were building relationships in town that were lost, despise Baptists. And so it's not helping us. Lord, it doesn't feel like, so should we stay connected? And, and I was in prayer asking the Lord about this, and he brought me to, to Romans chapter 10, verse 1. And Paul said this. He said, my prayer to God, my heart's desire and prayer to God 
is that Israel would be saved. Paul's, Paul's an Israelite. He's a Jewish leader. And his, he's now having tremendous success as he goes and spreads the gospel to all the Gentiles. And he's, he's preaching to Gentiles, and they're all receiving him. The only ones that are slow to hear are the Jewish people. And yet he says, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that they will believe. I, that's, that's directly from the Holy Spirit. And I don't see how we can, can ignore that, how we can judge our churches and our people that are still stuck in bondage instead of seeing and instead of having compassion for them and doing what we can to tell how God has changed our lives. But here's the struggle with that. Y'all with me? Here's the struggle. The struggle is, first of all, we don't know how to describe it. The second of all is we're afraid that they're going to say, no, that's a bunch of rubbish and you guys are some weird cult. You know, we, we, it's, when, you, when you're trying to walk with God and you're in a place that's full of religion, you're going to find opposition. They're going to think you're crazy. So you just need to get ready for that. But they're never going to know the truth if we're not willing to lay it out before. And we have tools to help you do that. I mean, we have the abiding cycle, which is, explains the, bib, the biblical context of uh, how strongly biblical the concept of abiding in Christ is. I mean, no one can deny it when they see it. It's truth. We have books that can help you to, to, to discuss grace in its entirety. The Secret of Grace by Steve McVeigh is one I use all the time. You have those. Just start having these discussions with people that you know that are still stuck in bondage. All right, but after that, look, number four. So three, they go to the church first. Four, after the Holy Spirit sends them to the church, he sends them to the community to share the gospel with the people who had done life with them. Now they go out into Cyprus. They go all over Cyprus sharing the gospel, and they, they come specifically to a governor, the proconsul. Look at it in verse 7. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. We've seen this so many times. Again, here's the consistency of the Holy Spirit. We, we keep seeing the Holy Spirit leading whoever goes out to the Gentiles also. And you're not leaving Gentiles out. Here's a Roman governor of Cyprus who is now asking for them to come preach to him. <laughs> Just like the Ethiopian that said, come on up. You know. Just like uh, Cornelius who said, send for him and bring him to the house. God's doing this work. He's, he's causing Gentiles to start asking for believers to share the truth. So, so here's, here's uh, Barnabas and Saul into town. And Sergius Paulus is asking for them, the Roman governor of Cyprus. And we don't know that he knew Barnabas before, but, but here's what we know. He is a, Sergius Paulus is a great high representative of Gentiles, and he's asking for these guys to come speak the truth. God had softened his heart and prepared him to hear this message. And so what do they do? They go and share the gospel, but there's some hindrances in place, all right? Look at it, verse 9 through 13. There's a hindrance, a particular hindrance in place. His name is Elymas, or Bar-Jesus. It says in verse 9, But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, Full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? All right, pause. We might not have a magician hanging around us or hanging around our lost friends in this community. 
or in the place where you work, they might not be a magician that comes in every now and then and says, no, what they're saying is, is uh, you know, let me do a little magic and make you believe in me. But there is deceit and villainy, and it's all around us in this town. It, it, you know, outside the church, there, there are people out there saying that, that God is, is dead and that, that religion is, is worthless and that, that Jesus is not uh, the Son of God and that his word is not true. And all this talk is going on around this town. And people that are lost in this town that would have what you have can see Jesus in you. And when they ask you about the Jesus they see in you, one of the first questions they're going to ask is, why are you not like all the other Christians? They're going to know, and they're going to appreciate it. And you need to be able to say, I apologize. I used to be like that. That's religion. Let me tell you about what, who Christ is. And you've got to take away some of their, you might have to take some time doing some apologetics and taking away their, the things they're holding on to. Let's look at where drugs is taking you. Let's look at where your fame and your money has taken you. Let's look at where your desire for sex and girls and guys has taken you. Let's look at all that stuff, and let's, let's Get their voices silenced because they, these are blind guides, literally, blind guides. And we need to help them by helping them to see the, the emptiness of what they've already been pursuing and where they are. So Paul, do, uh, Paul does that. He, he calls this guy out and he, he says, Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see for a time. And immediately it happened. But here's the, here's the end of the story, verse 12. Then... The proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, number one, he saw evidence that God was with Saul and Barnabas, and then number two, and he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Truth is going to blow the minds of lost people in our town who have never heard of God before. Just share the truth. Don't make it complicated. Just share the basic gospel. Share what Jesus did for them. Share that it's not about works because Lost people in our town think they have to be good in order to have God. Lost people believe that. It's in our culture. We need to tell them it's not about you being good. It's about what Christ already did for you, and it's a free gift from God. They need to see that. So we close out this portion of our service by saying this. There are first stops for us. If we're going to be a multiplying church, which God's called us to be, it's not going to be when a few of us decide we're called to go off to Ruston or to Honduras or to wherever. It's going to be when every one of us sees our call to take the truths that God's given us, embrace them, know God by experience, walk with God, abide in Christ, see him in your life, come to know him by experience in a way that no one can take it away from you, and then tell that story. Your life's going to be transformed as you walk with Jesus. I never was excited about God when I walked in religion. I had to act like it at times. I had to put on a suit to do it. You know, man, now I'm, I'm so passionate about a God who's real and alive and working in me and in, my, my, in the lives of my friends, and that's evident, and I can see it. So our first stop needs to be the place where we live. So ask yourself a question. Have you told your friends who are very religious and bound by their religion, the truth about abiding in Christ and how good he is and how he's revealed himself to you? Have you told the people, that, the lost people in your neighborhood why you're different than them? Or have, they, have you just lived around them so that they can see you and, and wait for them to ask or the Holy Spirit to lead? Are you blessing people? 
We're not doing anything else but abiding, blessing, committing to communion. So let's talk about that this week, okay? Pray about it. See what's going on in your own life. And then in life groups this week, let's discuss that. And let's, let's see if we can't get on task with the Holy Spirit, who I'm sure is wanting you to have a, make a difference in the place where you live. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you again for your Holy Spirit who leads us, helps us to understand truth. Um, and Father, just uh, thank you for this message, God. We, we are challenged by the truth that we see that Barnabas took the time to go back, Lord, to be with the people of his hometown. Challenged by that, God, in the way that we need to know you in a way that takes over our lives, gives us joy and contentment and peace that causes people to ask questions, people in the church, people outside the church. Father, I pray for that. I pray for change to lives and hearts and passionate love for you that affects us in a way that shows. In Jesus' name, amen.